praise the Lord. Take your Bibles if you can. I want to finish up 1 John chapter 5 today. Uh, so the plan is to finish that up right now. And next Sunday we'll probably be speaking about Palm Sunday. And the following Sunday we'll be speaking about the resurrection. And then the following Sunday, this is the plan, we'll get into 2 John. So that's the outline of course, it's subject to the Holy Ghost interrupting the plan. So 1 John chapter 5, uh, we started this uh, two weeks ago. And uh, starting at verse number 18. I've entitled the message today, The Final Word. And uh, as we said, we got into it last, uh, two weeks ago. The final word is that we know. We know certain things. And we're going to be talking about that. So let me start reading uh, at verse number 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, anoint me to preach your word the way you want. Let it be heard, received, and applied the way you want as well. Lord God, we pray that you will be honored and blessed by the proclamation of your word today. Lord, send your spirit right now. Send your angels around this place, O God. Let us know without a shadow of a doubt, we've been in the house of God this morning. And so thank you for what you've done already. But we pray, Lord, right now you will speak through your word to our hearts. And we give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. So uh, we started two weeks ago, but I, I remember saying that the phrase we know is mentioned three times in these in these four, uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four verses. But actually it's four times the phrase we know is mentioned. And I think that John is, is bringing home the idea that he's uh, combating against Gnosticism at that time. Those that believed that knowledge was sufficient for salvation. Those that believed that knowledge was sufficient for a holy life. And they would downplay and actually disregard what Jesus did on the cross. And they would disregard personal holiness, uh, which I think is a forerunner of humanism is what we're dealing with now in the world. Where, where that says God is in us, we're okay without the cross, we're without Jesus. Um, but humanism really falls short. So John is reiterating this fact that we know certain things. And uh, I want to ask the question, do you know these things? Like if you look at verses 18, 19, and 20, can you say that you know these things? But, but there's another part of this I want to address. We may know these things intellectually, but we may not know them spiritually. And the two are a million miles apart. Um, often, we won't get what we know in our head into our spirit until we go through something. Can I get an amen? amen. Do you know what I'm talking about? In other words, you, you may know it, but you don't really know it until you have to live it. When you live it, 
then you know what you knew before, but now you really know it in a different way. Our trials, our tribulations, our hardships, all these things come our way to, to reveal the real person inside of us. And you know what? Sometimes it ain't pretty. But it's all part of a bigger plan. God is purifying. What The point is, the Lord is coming back for a bride that's spotless. How are we going to get there without going through stuff to purify our lives? And so John, you know, John, well, he has some experiences, but James tells us that our trials come uh, that, uh, and consider it joy when we go through trials. I'm still working on that personally, but I'm trying. But consider it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith uh, produces patience and patience produces maturity. What's not said is that there's no other way to get there. You can study all you want, but until you apply what you know, it's not going to happen. Paul said, we glory in our tribulations because tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Peter said, you'll be grieved for a while so that the genuineness of your faith like, like uh, gold being tested by fire is purified to the praise and honor of the Lord Jesus when he's revealed. There's no other way to get there. So here John is now an elderly person. This is probably written around 90 AD. Now some people think that this was written and his epistles were written after he wrote Revelation. Now if that's the case... Man, he's been through an awful lot. And he's seen an awful lot. But John, as you know, uh, one of the 12 disciples just close to the Lord, one of the pillars of the church in the book of Acts. Um, And he closes the epistle by, by saying, we know these certain things. And he says it with authority. Last time I talked about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 in particular, this is what Paul wrote about this subject. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Well, you know what? We already have the spirit of the world. When we came to Jesus, we were full of the spirit of the world. And now we fight against the spirit of the world. But we don't get that from the Lord. We just get that from living you haven't received the, the spirit of the world, but, you, you, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. These things are spiritually discerned. You can't get it intellectually per se. You've got to get it spiritually. And what John is saying was, you know, you, you may have to go through some stuff to receive what God has for you. Welcome to the faith. I've heard many stories about people who give their life to the Lord. The next week, all this stuff happens. All these things happen. And it's like, it's like a test. But there's a purification going on. All right, so last time we, we went through verses uh, 18 and 19. But um, in retrospect, I went back and I looked at a few things. I want to talk about verse 18 for a minute before we get into verse 20 and 21. And before I give you the main thing that I want to get to, which I will get to sooner or later today. So hang in there. <laughs> Did you get that? Okay, so my, my translation is NIV, uh, New King James. 
My, verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. Now, I checked the NIV just to see, because I remember a few weeks ago we were in verse number 7, and there was a great discrepancy between the two. There was a reason for that. But I find the discrepancy here as well between the New King James, or King James, and the NIV, and probably some others. The NIV says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God, the one capital O, meaning Jesus, keeps them safe. So I find a little, a little difficulty here. And again, why is it like that? Well, it goes back to the scribes and the scholars that trans, uh, transcribed the original Hebrew to Greek and the Greek to whatever. And, and so they emphasize certain words more than other. However, in this case, most scholars would agree that it's more in the context of the passage to say that the one who is born again, the one who does not sin, he keeps himself from sin, and the, the enemy can't touch him. Although saying that the one who died for us, Jesus, uh, keeps us from all sin, or protects us, or watches over us, that's a true statement too. It's just that in the context of this passage, it's probably more like the other one, that the one who is born again, the one who is, is not in sin, the one who, and then he keeps himself from going any further into sin. So I'm going to look at it from the New King James Version. And uh, although I know in the back of my mind, it is Jesus who keeps us too. But in this passage, if you go down to verse 21, he kind of ends it by saying, church, keep yourself, you know, keep yourself from idols. So it kind of flows with John's writings. It flows with Paul's writings. It flows with Jude as well. He says the same type of thing. It, It flows with the overall context of the word of God, that he saves us. But now it's up to us to live it out. So I'm going to stick with that aspect. So if your translation is a little bit different, that's, that's why. So when I look at verse number 18, I say, I, I look and say, whoever is born of God. So uh, our, our faith is a whosoever faith. It's available for anyone and everyone. Whoever is born of God, everyone's welcome. Everyone's invited to sit at the table. But if we're born again, if we're born of God, we do not sin. Right? That's what it says. We, or we don't continue to sin. If we sin, we confess it and we move on. And, and we, this cycle keeps going and going and going until we meet the Lord face to face. We don't live in sin. And we do keep ourselves. We protect ourselves. We, we try to live wisely and, and, and you know, spirit-filled, anointed by the Holy Spirit, that we won't go into certain areas that get, will get us into spiritual trouble. And in that context, the wicked one can't touch us. That's what the Word of God says in verse 18. If we're born again, if we're not living in sin, not not living in it, and if we're keeping ourselves, the wicked one can't touch us. I find that pretty amazing. But I also know that if those prerequisites are not met, Satan has a field day with us. I've probably been down that road in my life as well. When I'm not living the right way, open up a door for Satan, and who knows what's going to happen, but I feel miserable. So if, you're, if, you, if you want that freedom, you must surrender everything to the Lord. Okay, verse number 19, uh, said we, we addressed this last time. We know that we're of God. You know, uh, we know that the... Um, uh, 
let's see, that Satan, uh, the world is under the sway of, of Satan, of the wicked one. We talked about the political system, the education system, the media, business, social services, history, news. I would even say, I hate to say, but even religious institutions are sometimes under the sway of the wicked one. So we talked about those two verses last time. But verse number 20, uh, we know, the third part of this, we know that the Son of God has come. And again, John is a first-hand witness. He's, he's, telling, he's telling us he was there. He experienced the Lord. He understands you know, what God was doing. But look back with me in chapter 1 just for a minute. Uh, 1 John 1, 1, it says... Uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. He's saying, he's saying, listen, I know what I'm talking about. I was there. I saw him. I heard him. I touched him. I sat under his ministry. That life was manifested. We have seen. We bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, etc. So John is saying, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. He said in John 1.14, he said, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We saw him. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus transformed when he had the appearance with uh, Moses and Elijah, he, he was there. He saw the, the miracle. He, he was there. He saw the miracles of Jesus, the healings, the deliverances, the casting out of demons. He was there at the Last Supper. He was there in the garden. He was there at Calvary. He was there. He saw the empty tomb. He was there when Jesus ascended. He was there when the Holy Ghost fell and the church was birthed. And he knows exactly what he's talking about. So this brings a lot of validity in my heart and spirit that John is the right person to be writing this. But we know that the Son of God has come and is giving us understanding that we may know him who is true. Now, there's a little passage in Acts chapter 4 that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, were observing John, this John and Peter. And they were saying, you know, they have boldness. But they're uneducated and they're untrained. But it says that uh, they realized that they had been with Jesus. And because they were with Jesus, they were changed. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? See, they were with Jesus and they knew who Jesus was. They knew that they were different. And so he has come, given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is a true God and eternal life. And, uh, you know, Jesus has, like, do we, have we come to a place where we know that to be true? Have we realized that this is the truth? Then verse number 21, he kind of summarizes or, or closes the epistle. And uh, it's kind of informal because... He doesn't really say goodbye. I would have, you know, I would have said, well, I'll see you next time or whatever. But he just closes it out. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. And he closes the, the letter. That's it. He writes two more letters, which we'll get into. But I find it interesting that he just kind of abruptly closed it. But again, in the context of dealing with Gnosticism, he's saying, look, little children, we know what that means. 
church believers, my spiritual sons and daughters, keep yourselves. Don't get involved with idols. And most of the Gentiles at that time came out of idol worship. First Thessalonians, Paul commends the Thessalonians. The word has gone out. Your testimony is ringing out how you left the idols to serve the living and true God that you serve, Jesus. And so he's saying, don't, don't, uh, don't go backwards. Don't listen to the Gnostics. Don't, don't, uh, don't give up the fight. Keep fighting. Know who you are in Christ. Keep yourself in the faith. And then he says, amen. Let it be. Let it be. So I would say that to the church too. Know who you are. Keep yourself in the faith. Amen. Let's do this. So be it. Let's do it. All right, so I want to I go back and I want to summarize verses 18 through 21. And uh, you can take some notes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each point. There's seven of them. Uh, so I'm going to go kind of quickly. But this is what this passage in my spirit is all about. And, and again, the title is, the final word is that we know. So if you're hearing this message, you can't say that you didn't hear it. Unless you're here and not here, if you know what I mean. Some people might be here, but not here. They may be somewhere else. But if, if you're here and you're here, if you're here and you hear, you don't have any excuse. You can't say you don't know, because I'm going to tell you exactly what he's saying. Number one is this. We must be born of God. All right, a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God, I love God, blah, blah, blah. But if you're not born of God, you really can't have a relationship with God. Jesus said it in John chapter 3. You must be born again. Billy Graham wrote a book in the 70s called Born Again. It's like it's a popular theme now, but it's, it's, it, we can't make it so popular that it loses its meaning. We must be born again. We, we, uh, we must tell the Lord that we believe, that we receive Him, that we repent of our sins and do an about-face from wherever lifestyle we were in before, and we follow Him, we follow His Word, we follow the church, we belong to the church. Mark 8.34 says, Jesus said, If you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come after me. And the door is wide open. Everyone's invited. Come sit at the table. But if you want a relationship with the Lord, you have to accept the fact the way you are now or before is not right. And the old man must die, thus water baptism. And the new man must live, thus coming out of the water baptism tank. And you're alive in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. So number one is, if anyone wants a relationship with God, you've got to be born again. And I, I don't know about you, I meet people a lot that tell me they love God and this and that, but they're not born again. You know, demons believe in God. A lot of people believe in God, but they're not born again. So being born again is really the, uh, the essential element of having a relationship with God. And why did Jesus go to the cross? That we could just know about him historically? I don't think so. He went to the cross that we might have new life, a born again life. And existence with him. And you know, being born again is a great joy. I have to say, it's a challenge sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes the, the old man whispers, I think it's better this way. I don't think so. But being born again, it, it, it's a lifetime too. It's a, it's a lifetime. Whenever you come, it's for the duration of your life. It's not just a season. It's not just to get you through a rough moment, a rough patch in your life. No, no, no. He wants us for the duration. 
In fact, he wants us for longer than our duration on earth. He wants us for all of eternity. Praise God. Okay, number two is this. We know that we can't live in sin any longer. I'm going to use verse 18, what I would call B and C, because 18 B and C says, if we're born again and we we don't sin anymore, uh, and, and we keep ourselves. So we, we have to understand that we're, we're in this relationship with God and we don't sin anymore. I was thinking about this. So 45 years ago, Pamela and I accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 45 years ago. 45 years ago this July, we'll be married for 45 years. But <laughs> the question is, Does anybody think that I haven't sinned in 45 years? Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Uh, I mean, come on. But you have to understand what the Word of God is saying. I don't live in it. If I'm in it, man, I get out as soon as I can. I have two wraths to deal with. God and my wife. Amen. And I don't want either one of them. But, you know, but we can't live in that anymore. We can't live in that sinful condition or mindset anymore. We've been delivered. And it, it, there's always, like in my, in my 45 years, there's always been a lot of repentance, a lot of asking God to help me, a lot of accountability before God and other people. If I've offended someone, I try to make it right with them. It's an ongoing thing. But the point is, we can't serve two masters. We can't live in both worlds you know, I, I say this all the time. We, we can't live in two worlds because we can't enjoy it because we feel condemned on the one side and, and we know it's displeasing to the Lord. So we can't win in that situation. So it, it's better to just give it up and give it over to God. We could never say that it's okay. It's not okay. 45 years. It's a long time. Some things... They're never going to be okay. <laughs> no matter how long you're a Christian. Some people think, oh, I've been a Christian 50, 60 years. Well, some things are okay. No, they're not. Go back. Rewind the clock. Where were you before? Everything was conviction. With me, everything was conviction. I couldn't even listen to the radio without feeling conviction. You know? It wasn't a godly song. It was a weird song, whatever. But anyway, verse 18, we keep ourselves We fight the good fight. Uh, Galatians 5.24 says, Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. Can I tell you, say something right there? It never ends. It never ends. If it's not one thing, it'll be another. Don't ever think it's going to get over. It's not going to be over. It's going to be over when we're on the other side. Hallelujah. That's a little motivation to stay plugged in because you have a reward at the end. But in this life, there will always be stuff that we've got to crucify, the flesh and our, and our passions. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee, <clears throat> run, leave, get out of there regarding sexual immorality. And that is everywhere today, church. I don't need to tell you that. But we can't live in that. We can't live in that. If we live in that, you know, okay, so verse 18, we don't sin anymore. Well, okay, but verses 16 and 17 talked about it. There's sin that leads to death and sin that doesn't lead to death. The sin that leads to death is unrepentant sin that, that, 
that creeps in you and destroys your life because you never dealt with it. Sin that doesn't lead to death is sin that you bring to the cross time after time after time after time until finally, hopefully, it's all gone. But even if it isn't all gone, you keep going to the cross. So we, we run from the, these things. We, we flee from these things. Galatians, oh, I'm so loud. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Colossians 3. Put, on, put off the old man. Put on the new man. Right? It's our responsibility to do that. Okay? So we can't live in... Does everyone get that? We can't... Well, I'm going to save that for later. Okay. Number three is this. Uh, verse 18d. The last part of verse 18. Satan can't touch us. Now, that's a strong statement. And I had to think about... But I read it. I studied it. I looked at other things. The wicked one, the wicked one does not touch him. Wow. I really like that one. But... Some people make Satan bigger than what he is and make Jesus littler than what he is. We amplify the, uh, you know, and we, we belittle what Christ has done. This is a, but, but remember the prerequisites, born again, not living in sin and keeping yourself. In that setting, Satan has no business coming around us. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 1 John 4, 4 says, uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's Christ in us. 1 John 5, 18, he, he can't touch us. I think somebody needs to hear that. But again, if you're dabbling, well, you're, 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 like a, you know, you're like a piece of cheese on a mousetrap. <laughs> that thing's going to snap. You're going to get caught. You're going to get... You ever got your finger stuck in a mousetrap? It really hurts. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, verse number 19. These, these are things that we know, right? So I'm telling you things that you know already, but I'm telling you anyway. We know that we belong to the Lord. Do you know that you belong to the Lord? Or are you up and down and all over the place? Or do you think that the Lord is uh, somehow manifesting himself through people? And if you have a problem with the person, oh, I don't know if I'm of God anymore because they don't like me or they don't, I'm having a problem. Or are you, are you figuring, well, if my life isn't going well, I don't belong to the Lord because if I belong to the Lord, I should be, everything should be fine. No, I don't think so. We know that we belong to the Lord. We are of him. We are of him. 1 John 5, verse 7, it says that there's a, uh, a witness in the heavens, the Trinity. Verse uh, 8 says there's a witness on earth, uh, the spirit and the water and the blood. And verse number 10 says there's a witness inside of us that says that we know that we know that we know we belong to God. Do you know that you know? See, we, we have to get to that place where we know that we know. And in that, we also have to get to a place where we know when we mess up the relationship, that comes with the Holy Ghost conviction. If we know that we belong to God, we should also know when we're doing something we shouldn't do or thinking or going down a different avenue that we should. Romans eight sixteen, one of my favorite scriptures, says, says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
You know, we're not perfect. We're just children of God. We have a different authority. We have a different father. We have different values. We have a different family. We have a different future, praise God. We know that we're of God. The next one is this, verse 19b, that uh, we know that the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The sway of the wicked one. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. Paul called Satan the prince of this age. Peter called Christians sojourners or pilgrims just passing through as though we don't really belong here. Do you feel that? Do you feel that Satan is, or the world is under the sway of Satan? We should feel that. We should feel that. Poverty, prejudices, perversions, corruption, criminality. I thought about all the people involved, just in our country, in the prison system, and parole system, and probation system, and the court system. It's mind-boggling. So many people are involved with criminal behavior. And then you get into the way things are run, like in government or different agencies. They're corrupt, too. (laughs) So you have the corrupt watching over the corrupt. It's crazy. So there's immorality. There's idolatries. There's rebellion. Constant rebellion. There's rejection of all that is good and decent. Not to mention there's lust. There's greed. There's pride and selfishness and meanness. I would say the bottom line is the thing that's underneath all of those things is a sense of pride. That I'm good just the way I am. And I'm not going to change for anybody. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. (laughs) You know, in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil, by Satan. And at the end of that passage, Satan says, Jesus, you see, he brought him uh, uh, up on a pinnacle. I'll give you all this. See all that? I'll give you all of that. Well, how does he have the right to give that to Jesus? Because he's the prince of that right now. And Jesus, sitting there saying, a paraphrase, There's no way in the world. The word of God says to love and worship the Lord your God and him alone. I'm not going to worship you. He said, if you worship me, I'll give you all of that. No way. But the point is, it's his. It's his his to give right now. So you ever wonder why sometimes we feel miserable in the world around us? And we try so hard to make things right. We want to be around perfect situations and perfect people. and It's not going to happen. It can't happen. The whole system is corrupt. But we're, we're living as a light in a dark world, and, and, and we, we must continue to do that. So, okay, so verse 19. And then verse number 20, it says, uh, we, know, we know that uh, the Son of God has come, or we know that Jesus has come. Well, we have to think about that. The Savior, the promised Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who fulfilled all the prophecies, And the one that Hebrew says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one that's still saving, still baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, still delivering people from sin and addiction and self-destruction, healing bodies and minds and emotions and healing souls. Why is that so important? I did a little research. I was just curious. There's 20 million Jews in the world today that don't believe that. 
There's 1.7 billion Muslims that don't believe that. There's 1 billion, billion Hindus that don't believe that. The Christians in the world are, are probably about one-third of the, the entire population. So we have something that somebody else needs to hear. But do you know that Jesus has come? Do you know that he's the one that could set you free? That he's the one that can deliver you and fill your life with wholesomeness and put you on a different journey? I hope that you know that he's the one. And why, why you think back of our church fathers, those that were martyred for their faith, those that were fed to the lions as entertainment in Rome back in those days. Peter crucified upside down. Why do they do that? Because they know that Jesus came. They know who Jesus was and is. And they would give their lives instead of recanting on their faith. I wonder if we would do that. You know, someone said that you know, the church in China is just prospering. It's all under, under, underground. And someone said, maybe America needs a little persecution to make the real church grow a little bit deeper. That may be true. So Jesus came. He came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But in his coming, the first time, he promised he would come a second time as the lion from the tribe of Judah. Amen. And the last thing we see here is verse number 21, that we have our part to play. So we could say it like this. We know, we know what Jesus did. We know who we are. We know about the body of Christ. We know all the things we just talked about. But we also know that we've got to do our part. We keep ourselves. We avoid sin. We avoid temptation. We stay in the light of Jesus Christ. Last couple of weeks in our, on our back porch, we had the cutest little birds coming with twigs in their mouth making a nest behind the light on the porch. That's a no-no. Can't do that. So I'd go out there and shoo them away and take the twigs down. Next day, they're back at it again. Take the twigs down. A couple of days go by, I don't see them. Oh, good, they're going somewhere else. They're coming back, putting the twigs up there again. Finally, Pamela, we got tinfoil, put it back there. They say that's a good deterrent for the birds. The point is, Temptations will come to try to make a, a nest in your head. Don't let it do that. Shoo it away. Get it away. You, know, you, you, you have to do something to, to get yourself out of that predicament. Now, every time I see that light on our back porch, I think about that analogy. We could have just let the birds have, their, have a field day, build your nest. But then the light would have got disgusting. And, and so, so I don't want I don't want my spirit to get disgusting by allowing things to come in and not deal with them. Some things have got to be removed. <laughs> Take them out. They don't they don't belong in your head. They don't belong in your spirit. But here's the thing: sometimes we feed our our head and our spirit with all this ungodliness, and then we wonder why we're we having a bad day. <laughs> We just filled ourselves with so much pollution. And, and no wonder why we feel the way we do. But John, uh, John says, listen, listen, little children, believers, my spiritual sons and daughters, keep yourselves from idols. If you fall into darkness, get out as soon as you can and repent. I thought that one day, uh, maybe uh, 
in the future. I'm just thinking about this. The Lord has put this thought on my, on my heart. What about if we have, I'm going to call it trash can Sunday. Have a bunch of trash cans up here. As someone said, we should have the lid on it so no one sees what goes in there. But on trash can Sunday, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll prepare you. I'll give you a month or whatever. Get everything out of your house. Get everything out of your car. Get everything out of your wallet or whatever. And bring it in on a Sunday and throw it away. How about that? How about that? Would that work anymore? And so we, someone said, you put a lid on it so no one sees. So I, I, there may be bottles of liquor, cans of beer. There may be weed or pills or DVDs that are ungodly about sexual things or, or immorality or witchcraft or new age stuff that you don't need in your house. Keep yourself. How are you going to keep yourself if we're surrounded by garbage? Let's have trash can Sunday. Throw it all away. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm praying about it. But I planted the seed. So when, if it happens, but see, then you have, to, you have to go along with me. I don't want to have empty trash cans when we go home. <laughs> Got to fill those trash cans. <laughs> hey, the Ephesians brought all their sorcery books, had a big bonfire. Well, I don't want, I don't want to do that, but let's just throw out the stuff. Books. You know what? Any remembrance of the past, that's a stronghold for some of us. You know, some people have things that don't mean anything, but it's a reminder of what happened 25 years ago with you-know-who. And what are you doing with that? It's killing you. Get rid of the thing. You don't need it. Let it go. Let it go. There could be, there could be uh, pornography. I know a lot of times pornography nowadays is on your phone. So what do you do? Throw away your phone? <laughs> that's radical. I don't know. But if that's a problem, there's other means to protect yourself from that, like covenant eyes and different things. You can get, you can get help for that issue if you want. I mean, in the old days, people would bring in their magazines. Now, it's not, it's not so much magazines. It's on the Internet. So what do you do? Throw away your computer? I don't know. That's a big deal. But something has to be done. What's that doing in your life? Keep yourself. How are, you, how are you going to keep yourself with that? Amen. That's just one aspect. It could, be, it could be anything. It could be drugs. It could be pills. You know, it could be whatever you, whatever you have, books that have nothing to do with God. And then not that, they, I mean, I don't love books. I love good novels. But some novels are totally ungodly and unproductive in the spirit. That We shouldn't have them. We shouldn't be feeding ourselves with those kinds of things. So anyway, Trash Can Sunday. I'm thinking about it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, oh, I forgot to mention one other thing. Cigarettes. Or, well, cigarettes, cigars, pie, I don't know. Anything, that, anything that, that is a stumbling block for you to let it go. Just let it go. Now, the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? So how are we going to live in our freedom if we're tied into these different things? We're all wrapped up in all these things of the world when they have no business in our life. Jesus came literally to set us free. And, and so we don't, we don't commit sin. We don't live in sin. If we commit sin, 1 John 1, 9 is always there. We confess it and get on with our life. But we don't live in it. That's the problem. Many people are living in it wondering, what's wrong with my life? Well, I'll tell you. You're never going to get God's full blessing unless this is addressed 
And we're not talking perfection. Don't, don't think that. You know, like I said, 45 years, I, of course I sinned. But I can say I haven't lived in it. If I stumbled, then I got it right as soon as I could. And that's the, that's the attitude we need to have. So these are the, this is the final word. This is what we know. And tell me if this bears witness with you. First of all, we must be born again. Numero uno. We must be born again. Even though it's a common phrase, people know it. It's the reality in John chapter 3. Jesus said, you must be born again by the Spirit in you. Number two is, we can't live in sin anymore. Unfortunately, we may visit there every now and then. But we've got to get out of there as soon as we can. We can't live in it anymore. Satan can't touch us if we're living the right way. Man, let that be an encouragement for somebody. Some people think, oh, Satan's always after me. That's not, that's your guilty conscience. <laughs> okay, number four is, we belong to Jesus. And, you know, the song Reckless Love is wonderful. It's a great song. Nothing separates us from his love, even our sin. I mean, he doesn't like it, but when we confess it and repent of it, he is right there to bring restoration. And, and you know, how, how long does that have to take? You know, it'll take as long as it takes. I said earlier, most of us come to the Lord with a whole assortment of baggage. And the Lord loves us anyway. And little by little, he unpacks the suitcases with all the stuff in it. So if you, have a, if you fall out or whatever, don't get discouraged. I always, when, it, when some, things like this happen, I, I normally say to somebody, well, welcome to the club. We're all in this together. We've all stumbled and fallen, but we get up again and we don't have a pity party. We just get on with our life with the Lord. And we learn from it, hopefully. Because you know why? So many things we, we missed as children or young adults, we, we weren't taught certain things. Like we, we, li- we grew up, uh, I don't want to say dysfunctionally, but we, we grew up under the sway of the wicked one. So a lot of things weren't addressed in our lives, you know? Now we come to the Lord, and man, our life is an open book before God. All that stuff that I thought nobody would ever know about or care about is in my heart. I realize it's in my heart. i got to get that out. I can't sweep it under the rug anymore. There's no rug when you're a Christian. There's no rug. You're wide open. So, okay, so we belong to Jesus. Uh, The world is ruled by Satan. Jesus has come. And it's our role now to tell others that Jesus has come. As in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, go into all the world and preach. And we have our, our part to play in this whole arrangement. Meaning, we're not robots. We're you, 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 you. You're going to be Christians. And I got you. Well, he has us, but you, you, now you have a responsibility to live out your Christian life. Okay, so uh, 1 John 5, let's go to verse 13. Let's stand together. It's on the screen. And this concludes the epistle... John's first epistle, 1 John. I want to read uh, verse number 13, which I think is a summary of everything. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Can we say it together? These things I have written to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, whoa, 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 whoa. that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Every head bow, just a moment. I want to give one more opportunity for somebody. I know we said it earlier, but uh, as you know, Jesus often calls for someone to respond, even publicly, uh, to take a stand or position. So is there anyone here that feels like, okay, I get the message. I've got to be born again. I believe in God, but I've never been born again. I've never surrendered everything to God. I, I, I never realized the battle I'm in. I never thought I had to leave sin in, out of my life, at least try. So here's your opportunity. Those of you at home, same thing. Have you come to a place in your life where you recognize your need of a Savior? Because the way you're doing it, you realize it's not right. It's not good. You're falling short. Anyone need Jesus? Anybody thinking about Trash Can Sunday? Yeah. Some of you are. Good. Excellent.
time with your voice, sing. Oh, come to
Those of you at home, we're going to pray for you. If you want to linger, linger afterwards. But Father, thank you, Lord. This has been, this is, we had church today. And that, Lord, this is good. This is bearing witness with all of us that you're in the house and you're in our hearts. And we thank you for that. Lord, we, uh, we just want to put a seal on this and ask you, Lord, protect this move of your spirit. Lord, let nothing rob us. As we walk out these doors, let nothing rob us of what we have right now. This joy, this confidence, this awareness that you're with us. This awareness that you who started the work, you're faithful to complete the work. And so, Lord, let us leave here with an assurance that you are with us and that we represent you in that crazy world out there. Fill us, Lord, to overflowing with your spirit. Lord, for the one dear person that raised their hand earlier, we just pray blessings over that person as they begin their journey with you. Any other newer Christians, we just pray, Lord, that they would be encouraged today. Any, any uh, Christians that have been around for a while, we ask you, Lord, stir up, stir them up, stir up the fire in their heart. Let them remember what it was like to be excited. Let excitement come back into the realm of who we are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we close out this service, this 1045 service, this will be the last one for a little while. So we pray, Lord, your blessing over the time change of next week and following. But Lord, if you, if you decide to send in an overflow of people, Quickly, we'll go right back to two services. Doesn't matter to me one bit. But Lord, we want to build your church. We want you to build your church. So, so Lord, we pray your blessing over our efforts to build unity and camaraderie within the body as we recover from these two years of COVID. But Lord, let this 10 o'clock service bear great fruit for the kingdom of God. And Lord, when, when it's time to go back to two, let us know. We'll gladly go back to two services to, to allow more people to come in. 
So we thank you for this. We thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your grace. Let us live in that altar space where you minister to us. I pray blessings over the church. Blessings over the children downstairs. Blessings over those on live stream. Let us leave here just ready to serve you and to be a witness for you. We give you all thanks and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a hearty amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you.